0: Um, Yeah, so I'm really excited about our topic this week. We're going to talk all about how God is pursuing us. Even at this very moment, God is pursuing you. Whether you realize it or not, whether you feel it or not. Um, I I remember being in middle school and high school. And you know when you're in a situation and, and you're almost like blind to what's happening. And then you get out of the situation and you're like, oh yes, God was faithful. Oh yes. Like, He is good. And like, in the moment you don't always see it or or it doesn't always feel like God is is at work. But God is always at work. And oftentimes our feelings can betray us. Um, but God is always at work, even when it feels like we're not. And He's, and he's pursuing us, even when it feels like He's not. And so I'm really excited about this topic because in college I was just thinking... Hello ladies. I was thinking about my middle school years. There's some chairs up here. And thinking back on high school. And I was just thinking how the Lord had, has had been pursuing me all the days of my life. And is still... And I, and I believe He's pursuing you all as well. So... um Each class I'm sort of going to build on, you know, what we talk about today and then tomorrow and then on Thursday. Um, And so today we're going to talk about how God's pursuit is redemptive. And we're going to be in Genesis 3, but before we even get to Genesis 3, um, I want us to sort of kind of just talk so in this class you can talk. Um and I've said the word pursue probably like 20 times within like two minutes. What does that mean? What does it mean, pursue? Just off the top of your head. Keep going, okay. I saw a hand over here. Oh, okay, all right. Run after, yeah, run after. But don't give up. Yeah. Yeah, we're just trying to come up with ideas of. Wait, what were you gonna say? Okay. Well, if you think of it and it comes to your mind, you're like, I remember. Okay. To continue. Don't stop. Never mind. Um. Go ahead. To act on something, okay. We'll do. We'll do one more. Yes. Yeah. Following, and then I saw another hand. So we'll do. Following. There's a hand right here. Sorry. Okay. What? Something you're dedicated to. Yes. Yeah. Okay. What are some thi- what are some things we pursue? People in general. What are some things that we can pursue? Your dreams, yeah. Your dreams? You could also say your goals. What else? Oh, yeah. Friends? Did someone say food? Alright, food, let's go. Pizza. Pizza. <laughs> We're all hungry, right? Yeah. Sports. Sports. Yeah. Comfort. comfort. Yeah. Woo. Nothing like being in the comfort of your own bed, or just God's word. Yeah, God's word. Good. Uh, back there, and then yes, yeah, and then popularity. All right. And what's your name, Green shirt? Elise. All right. Last one. Okay. Comfort. Oh, that's okay. Okay. What's? Okay. Acceptance. Well, then what was the what was the other one? Music. And also, my spelling is not always the great greatest on the. On a whiteboard, I don't know why. And um, so, if something's misspelled on here, we'll just ignore it. Um, or you can call me out and be like, pursing. 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 "Okay, I did not write that. Though. <laughs> Someone else did." But yeah, we're pursing. We're it's all about how to wear your purse. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, pursuing. Anyway, anyway. All right. So these are some things. What. We're, you know what pursue can mean, and then things we pursue, okay, good um that kind of just gives us a little bit of a framework um, like I said, we're gonna be in Genesis three. Um, Paul David Tripp is a man um he's also a, th- a theologian um, but he says you and I are creatures of desire and he says. Everything you ever choose to do or say is the product of desire. Desire not only dictates our pursuits, but it also shapes our dreams. Um, A lot of this talk, uh, I just want to sort of reference this. Um, Some of it are my original thoughts and then just collections of sermons or uh, like Paul David Tripp and and books that I've read. But I just want to reference that. Um, But anyway, Genesis 3. Before we get there, let's take a few steps back to Genesis 1 and 2. What what happened in Genesis 1 and 2? What creation? Did I hear Yes, creation. Create the creation story. And what are some things God created? Don't just say everything, but <laughs> Huh? Adam and Eve, right? He creates humanity in his image. What else did he create? Seas, mountains. The universe, yeah, the universe, everything in the universe, animals, plants. whales, plants. oh, plants, <laughs> yes, and whales, and whales, plants, whales, pineapples, our families, okay, um, yes, nature. Yes, yes, oxygen, right? Um, yeah, that. Uh, so, God creating, he cre- He's creating in Genesis one and two, and He creates this. The, he creates paradise. Um, when you hear the word paradise, what comes to mind? Palm tree. Palm tree. Someone said that in the last class too. That was like the first thing. Beach. A tropical island, yes. Sunset. Huh? Wait, one second. Wait, what? A resort. Okay, all right, all right. Your pillow, yes. A library. You said something about Alaska? Okay, Alaska. Um, yes, one more. The sound of water, right? Those are things that we can think of when we think of paradise. Um, I was talking to, I asked that question to someone a while ago, like years ago. And I said, well, what do you think of when you think of paradise? And they're. GameStop. And I was like, alright, GameStop. Um, Anyway, uh, so maybe it's GameStop. Maybe it's Forever 21 for you. Maybe it's uh, Chick-fil-A. Like, that's like, I'm like, "Eh." that's paradise. When I think of paradise, I'm like Chick-fil-A. I go once a week. Anyway, that's besides the point. Um, But yeah, those are things we think of. The paradise described in Genesis 1 and 2, it's paradise because there's no sin. There's no death. There's no, there's no brokenness in friendships. There's no divorce. There's no insecurities. Like it's perfect. That's what makes it a paradise. But well, then we get to Genesis three and things kind of go a little crazy, a little wonky, right? Um, so Genesis three. Turn there with me. And um, I said this in the in the first class, but. Something at Redeemer in our middle school Sunday school class. And I don't know how this came about. But when you get to the passage, we say jelly beans. Weird. I don't know why. And um, so when you get there, just say jelly beans. I don't have jelly beans. So, um, I don't know. It just helps us all be on the same page. No pun intended. So we're going to be in verses 1... 1 through 15. And um, today I'll read it, and then there will be opportunities for you girls to to read Scripture uh, tomorrow and Thursday. Alright, this is God's Word. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the, in the garden in the cool of the day, And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. The Lord God called the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman who you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock, and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Let me uh, pray for us and we'll continue. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, we we need you. We need your help. We need your spirit to illuminate your word to our hearts. God, I pray that your word today would uh, dwell richly in our hearts would um, take deep be um, deeply rooted in our hearts Uh, Lord we thank you for who you are that you are a God who loves us and pursues us Um, and Lord I pray that you would enlighten the eyes of our heart to see the beauty of Christ and you would give us eyes of faith to see um, the wondrous works of your word. In Jesus name, amen. Did you all hear the story, this was maybe a year ago, um, about the soccer team in Thailand who got trapped in a cave? You all remember hearing that? Okay. Um, It was after soccer practice. And uh, this team and their coach, they went to this cave to explore. I mean, who wouldn't want to explore in a cave? Um, Personally, I wouldn't actually. But they they went into this cave, and they eventually got trapped in there. And they were trapped in there for about two weeks, maybe a little over that. And imagine what it would have been like to be in a cave where it's dark, And you're sitting in darkness for two weeks, for a a long time. Um, That's what happens in Genesis 3. Humanity is sitting in darkness. And Scripture tells us not only are we sitting in darkness, but we're actually walking in darkness. But sitting in darkness because of sin. That there's darkness and brokenness in our world. And so the paradise that Adam and Eve experienced and enjoyed is now shattered and broken. Um, And here's the thing. Now what we experience is brokenness and insecurities and how sin affects everything. Right? Sin affects how we relate to God It affects how we relate to each other It affects how we relate to creation It affects how we relate to ourselves Sin affects our desires and our pursuits Right, We were created to desire God and enjoy God But in Genesis 3 that gets twisted And we don't desire the things of God We desire the created things and not the Creator Right? two points for us to consider Uh, it's still morning this morning um, one is that we run from God and two God pursues and his pursuit is redemptive that's what we see in our passage so we run from God all of us in here are runners now you may be thinking uh, no you're wrong I don't run and I'm with you on that I I don't run either my sister's a runner, and she's like, every day she's running. And I'm like, no. Like, I will run if someone, one, if someone's chasing me. Um, two, if there's a piece of cake on a table nearby, and I'm like, you know, Thanksgiving, I'm like, man, I'm going to run to that. Right? So no one else can get it. But, like, those are the only times I run. Um, but what I mean by that is that we all run from God. We run from God because of sin. Sin makes us run from God, right? And that's what we see here in Genesis 3, is Adam and Eve, they run. They were living in paradise. They, they enjoyed the presence of God. They enjoyed each other's presence. And it's all broken. And if you remember in Genesis, in chapter 2, God gave Adam instructions to, God gave Adam instructions. He's like, Adam, dude, you can have everything in this garden. You can eat of of any tree in this garden. But that tree that's in the middle of the garden, that's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And you can't eat of its fruit. Because if you do, what did God say was going to happen? You are going to die. Right? You will surely die. You're going to be dead, dead. Right? Like, you're going to die. Um... And so the question comes down to is are Adam and Eve going to choose, choose to go God's way or are they going to choose to go their own way? And chapter 3 highlights that. They do the thing that God told them not to do. And when you do what you're told not to do, that's disobedience and they disobey God. So if you want look at verses 1-7, through seven. who came to the woman in the garden? The serpent slithers along, is crafty. And the serpent, who's the devil himself, comes to Eve, and he asks her a question. What question, the first question he asks her? Yeah, you in the back. He asked her if he said, God go to the city of any Jews in the And she said, no, because of the Jews. blind? Yes. And she actually adds on to what God originally said. She's like, and God said we, we can't touch it. And God never said that. If you go back a chapter, God never said that they couldn't touch it. So Eve is like adding things on to God's word. Anyway, that's a whole nother thing. Um, but Satan asked her, did God really say? Did God really say... That is a question that is questioning the goodness of God. Did God really say? Is God really good? Does he really know what's best for you, Eve? Does he really want what's good for you? Or is God just holding out on you? Right? I think ultimately that's what it's coming down to. And Satan, Satan hooks Eve, right? Here's the lie that I think he gets Eve with, and I think that we can fall into as well. And the lie is this, that life can be found outside of God. Eve believed it, and I think oftentimes we can believe that as well, that life can be found outside of God. And so, it's kind of like Satan sort of like... Eve, look at what you can be. Look how, how your life can be. All you have to do is, is disobey God and His Word, and you'll find happiness and you'll find life. I'm gonna talk about my dog for a second. <laughs> okay, so I uh, I always thought, you know, people who are like dog moms, you know, talk about their dogs all the time. Anyway, I've become the dog mom. Um love my dog sometimes, not all the time but I, I love her most of the time but her name's Lola and Lola uh, at my house, Lola has a basket full of toys that I do not buy myself my sister does, she's spoiled and she has this basket full of toys a lot of them and this basket sits in near the doorway that goes into the foyer of my house or into the next room the foyer And Lola has this one toy named Ellie the elephant and Ellie the elephant squeaks and it never fails that when I watch a movie or watch TV Lola wants to play with Ellie the elephant and so she's playing with her it's like the whole time so what I will do I don't do it anymore is I, I will take Ellie the elephant and I'll throw her into the next room um, it's a toy so don't worry I'll throw her into the next room and she'll either go in the foyer or if I throw it far enough uh, into the dining room and what Lola will do is she will sit at the doorway looking into the foyer in, that leads into the dining room and she'll begin to whimper she'll, Okay. anyway that's what she'll do Lola doesn't realize, this is what she does, she's so fixated on the one thing she doesn't have that she misses, that she is literally sitting next to the basket full of like 20 to 30 other toys. That's what Eve is doing. And I think that's what a lot of us can do sometimes, right? Eve... fixated on the one thing she doesn't have and could never have and that was God's position because Satan's like you can be like God and so she's fixated on that that she misses that she is in the garden of Eden she's in paradise and it's perfect and God has already given her everything imaginable and, and everything that they need and she's fixated on the one thing she doesn't have and could never have And so what she does is she looks at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the Bible says that she sees the fruit and it looks good, desirable or actually delightful, desirable. Sin looks good, it looks delightful, it looks desirable and we partake in it it's like candy. You know when you've like eaten a lot of candy, right? You guys have eaten like a lot of candy, you get a stomach ache from it afterwards. But like when you're like eating it, you're like, man, this is good. This is desirable. This is delightful. And then all of a sudden, it makes you sick. Anyway, like, oh, I don't. I don't feel so well. Like, right? That's what sin is sort of like. It's like, oh yeah, it's good, yeah. and it makes us sick doesn't give us what it promises to give us and that's what happens here after Adam and Eve well you know Eve takes she gives some to Adam they're eating what happens after that they're what yeah they're naked right they realize that they're naked right they have been naked all along, but they realize they're naked. And ultimately, what that means is that they realize their shame and their guilt. And what do they do to handle their shame and their guilt? They hide it. They cover it. They get the fig leaves and they sew them together. And they cover themselves up. Right? In what ways do we try to cover up our shame and our guilt? Lie. Okay. Maybe lie to get out of something, or we lie to make ourselves look better. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe do an immediate, like, kind of like, oh, whatever. Okay. Blame it on someone else, which we see here with Adam and Eve, right? Adam's like, well, the woman you gave me, God, she... And then Eve's like, well, the serpent deceived me. So they're kind of playing a blame game. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, trying to be someone else that we're not, right? Um, Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Do our our attempts covering up our shame and guilt do they work not usually right (laughs) not at all why don't our attempts work yeah sorry what God sees everything like last night right What, what John was talking about God sees everything right what else Yeah, yeah. Only a perfect person can cover our shame because we can't fix ourselves. <laughs> it's almost like Adam and Eve are taking a band-aid and trying to cover up a, a bullet hole with a band-aid, you know? And they're like, well, let me see if I can just slap on a door the Explorer Band-Aid and see if that can cover me up. And it's like, not going to work right you need you need surgery you need to be you need stitches right like you need something more drastic than than just a band-aid to cover it up but what we can often do is we we look at things we run after after things whether that's that money or popularity or, or friends or food or sports or um, uh, music whatever it is we, we run to these things hoping that they will fix what's broken in inside of us and what we find is that they don't work um, Paul David Tripp again says you and I are always seeking something you and I are always living for something I want you to, there's not a, I want to invite you to consider this statement that I'm about to write here on the board. And you can write it in your books or just think about it, but I want you to kind of just consider this statement and really be honest with yourself. Like, whatever that fill in the blank is for you, if I had whatever that is, then I would whatever that is. No one else is going to see this. This is just something for you to just consider and think about. Um... I'm sure there are, I mean I'm even thinking there are things that I could several things I could say here with this statement. If I'm honest with myself. But here's here's the thing, is that I think if we're honest with ourselves, we could say that our lives are shaped by the pursuit of other things. Paul David Tripp goes on to say that perhaps the desire for physical things has left you empty. Perhaps is the desire to avoid failure has made you more demanding and controlling than you thought you ever would be. Or maybe, the, perhaps, or maybe the, the desire to be affirmed and respected has caused you to ride the roller coaster of people's emotions and responses. Where does the war of desire rage for you? Here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that desiring order and comfort and health and acceptance and being known and loved are bad things. I think it's good when we desire those things. But what I am saying is that when those things begin to rule your heart, they take the place of God as the ruler of your heart and that's idolatry. So I think what we could fall into or what we can fall into is this is that we can doubt God's goodness. And what I mean by that is that we want God to act according to our plans. God, work work according to my plan. And when God doesn't act according to our plans, you know what I think we can do is that we can doubt his goodness. And we can doubt His care. And we can doubt His love for us. God, are you really good? Do you really care? And here's the thing, is that God acts according to His plan. And the Bible tells us that His ways are better than our ways. That God knows what He is doing. He's God. He's like, I got this. Trust me. I know what I'm doing. So, Because of sin, I think we're deceived to believe that we can make it on our own. And also, sin never gives us what it promises to give us. It promises life. But the Bible never says that sin leads to life. It says sin leads to death. What does God do? What does he do? He pursues. Who do Adam and Eve hear walking in, in the garden? they God, right? Um, they hear God walking. They don't hear God stomping in the garden like Right? They don't hear him stomping. They hear him walking. God is moving towards them. I love it. And what do they do? What do they do when they hear him walking in their life? They hide, right? They're like, ba. And they and they run, right? And they hide. And what was the reason why they they hid? They were scared. Adam's like, we're afraid, right? We're afraid. And God asks them a question. What what did he ask them? Have you eaten of the tree? And then he asks them another question. He says there's another question asking too. Yeah, what have you done? Where are you? Yeah. He says, Where are you? Now, God's not asking that question because he's like, I don't know where humanity's gone. I've lost them somehow. No. God is all knowing, right? he's not asking that question because he doesn't know where they are, he's asking that question because he's calling them out of hiding that's what God wants to do with us he wants to call us out of hiding where are the places in your life where you're hiding where you don't want people to know like things about you, like where are the places you were hiding, God calls us out of hiding, what we see here is that God is pursuing them that our God is a pursuing God. If you look in the midst of God's judgment, He talks about how He's going to curse, and there's 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 punishment, right? Because our sin deserves God's wrath. It deserves His punishment. But in the midst of the punishment that's being declared, there is grace. And there is redemption. In verse 15... God is promising a savior. God sets up a rescue mission. Go back to the soccer team in Thailand. Um, they eventually get rescued. A diver, a few divers rescue those boys. Imagine what it would have been like to be sitting in that cave in darkness probably thinking that this was the last place that you were going to be before you died and you see lights a light shining in the darkness Jesus said the Bible says that Jesus is the light of the world and Jesus shines his light into the darkness of our world and the darkness of our own hearts, and he rescues us. Before Adam and Eve, God drives them out of. Before God drives them out of the garden, which is also His grace. What does He do? Do they just go on naked? Bye. He gives them clothes, right? He gives them garments of skin. Now, I love that image in Scripture about clothing because, first of all, it's awesome. Um, But God clothes them. Our attempts of covering ourselves up fail. Only God can cover you. And God covering Adam and Eve up is a picture of what Christ has done on the cross for us. At the cross... Jesus has clothed us with the garments of salvation. Let me read mm, 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 read Isaiah 61. 61, 61.10 Listen to how beautiful this is. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exalt in my God. For He has clothed me with the garments of salvation. You hear that? The garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of his righteousness. He clothes you in his salvation. God's pursuit is redemptive. God is pursuing you right down to this very moment and his pursuit of you and me it's as real as the chairs that you were sitting on it's real so my question for you is to think about is where where are you where are you running where are the places in your life where you're running and hiding from god um I'll end with this. There's no place where you can hide and there's no place where you can run where God does not see and God does not know where you are. In the New Testament, Jesus, He invites us to come. He says, come. I'm excited about this topic, and I'm excited for tomorrow and Thursday to spend with you girls. Um, I think it's going to be it's going to be fun. Um, so anyway, let me let me pray for us, and um, and then we can we can head out. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for who you are. That you are pursuing us, um, Lord. I pray that we would examine our own hearts that you would reveal the places in our own hearts where we are running and where we are hiding Um, God that we would bring our anxieties and our fears and our failures and our doubts to you um, and even our questions to you God Um, Lord I thank you so much for these girls and for this week and for RYM And and the fact that you are, the reality and the truth that you are at work, um, always. And that you see everything. And that you see us, and you know us, and you love us. In Jesus' name, amen.